If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along today, you can look with us in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, is where we are this morning. We're following up on the parable of the few verses that preceded verse 41 that we talked about last week and studied together. Jesus had told his disciples in verses 35 and following to be dressed for service, to keep your lamps burning as though you're waiting for the master to return from the wedding feast at any moment. And then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. We talked about last week that we needed to be ready, that we needed to be heavenly minded, that we needed to be focused upon Christ and what his call was on our life. And after hearing this parable, Peter asks the question, he says, listen, Jesus, are, are you giving this word to us in particular or are you including all of those people around us who are here listening to you with us? Is this a, a parable, a story that is meant for your disciples alone and your church alone or is it meant for everyone? And Jesus never really answers the question. But through the story of verses 41 and following, the parable that he gives here, he seems to indicate that it is for the church leadership in particular, the disciples there, as well as the church in general. It's for us. It's a very humbling message that God gives us here. Very humbling parable that he gives us. A very exciting one as well. This is a story, a parable that has uh, both a a very uh, serious, somber tone as well as a very exciting one for those of us who would be faithful to the Lord's call on our life to make him our master and to follow him as our Lord. You see, Jesus starts here and he says, those who expectantly wait upon the Lord and faithfully discharge the ministry that God has given them will be richly rewarded for their faithfulness. See, he says, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his household service. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation right now. We read from the ESV to start with. We move to other ones at times. He says, if the master returns and finds that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. So it's an exciting thing for us who would choose to follow Christ as our master and Lord, who would give our life to him. There's a great reward that is coming for us. Uh, You know, we love Christ because of Christ. We give our life to Christ because of Christ, not for rewards, but because of Christ, because of who he is, for love of him. If he never gave us anything else... If he never gave us anything beyond what he's already done for us, that's plenty. Amen. I mean, he has given us salvation through the cross. That's amazing. But he intends to give us even more than that. He intends to give us even more than that, a reward that we know not of. It's pretty exciting stuff. But those who live as though Christ is never going to return, those who live as though they will never be held accountable for how they fulfill God's call on their life, how they utilize the gifts and resources he's given them, These will be disciplined severely and punished, this scripture says. Those who would refuse to recognize Christ's rightful place in their life and live their life for him will suffer loss and suffer great punishment. And this discipline or punishment will be meted out according to a righteous measure. To the one who has been given a great revelation, gifts and resources and found unfaithful, he or she will be judged and punished harshly. Those who have not received as much or as great of those things will be punished less severely. And we have this word here, beating. They will be beaten and sawn in two. 
sawn into a very horrible kind of punishment that was meted out during that day and time. Beatings were something that was very common. Children were beaten as a form of punishment in this day and age. Uh, servants were beaten as punishment and discipline in this day and age. And we need to understand this is a parable, okay? Jesus is not uh, doing anything here except illustrating a point. He is not endorsing beatings for servants and children when he says this, okay? We need to understand that. Uh, we, we, sometimes you, you miss the forest for the trees when you look at parables. You get focused in and, and narrow in your, your attention onto something that really you should not. Jesus is not endorsing beatings, but he was speaking to a people who understood that beatings were a normal part of life. And so he used it for illustrative purposes here to illustrate the, the type of, uh, of, of discipline and punishment that was to come for an unfaithful servant in kingdom affairs, that there would be an accountability. There would be a loss suffered for those who are unfaithful to make Jesus their king, their Lord of their life. We have been entrusted with much as Christians, haven't we? We have been entrusted with the knowledge and revelation of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We have had to us, to our mind and our heart, a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we have, hopefully all of us here today, received that. I hope and pray that you have. And as a result of our new life in Christ, we have a set of responsibilities. We have something to do here. We are left here on this earth to draw breath in order to cooperate with what God is doing, to use our time wisely to be good stewards of the resources that he's given us. And the scriptures make very plain here that if we follow him in this, to know him, love him, and to follow with him doing what he's doing among us, there is a great reward that is to be given to us. Each and every one of us have the potential to make a tremendous difference in this life. We all are here to make a difference. You may say, I don't see how I can make much of a difference, if any difference. Some of you guys here may say, well, I have very limited resources. Some of you here may say, I have a very limited health, good health. I can't really do much even physically. But you are here, regardless of your station in life, what you may have in life, even if it is with regard to your health, you are here to make a difference. We're all kind of like that fellow that was walking along the beach one day, and he looked up in front of me. It was early, early morning on the beach, and he saw a young man who was picking up starfish that, fish that had washed up on the beach in the middle of the night and throwing them back into the ocean. After watching this fellow do that for a while, he ran up to him and said, What are you doing? He said, I'm saving the lives of these starfish. He said, If they are here when the sun comes up, they'll die. And the old man said, there are millions of starfish. This beach goes on for miles and miles and miles. What difference are you really making? He looked down at the starfish in his hand, tossed it out into the water and said, made a difference in that one. Made a difference to that one. You see, we're all here to make a difference. We're all here to cooperate with something God is doing. He has us here for a purpose. And if we will be faithful in that purpose, this scripture says that we will be richly rewarded for our faithfulness. And there really, there are two kinds of servants here. There are two kinds of people here illustrated in this story, in this parable. The first one, of course, is the faithful servant. The one who does take up the mantle, so to speak. The one who does take the call seriously to follow Christ. 
This faithful servant is wise, the scripture says. He does all that the master gives, all that God gives him to do. He takes care of the household, gives the other servants their food. He ministers to them. The faithful servant is, as a result of this, blessed. And that word blessed means to be supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, and happy when the master comes to hold him accountable for what he did with his life. There's a great satisfaction There's a great accomplishment. There's a great reward which comes to the work of following after Christ and being a part of what he's doing. There's a great satisfaction in that. There are a lot of things you can be satisfied in with your life as far as what you're doing with your life. But there's no greater satisfaction. There's no greater blessing than cooperating with what God is doing and being a part of his kingdom work. That's the best thing you can do with your life. That's where you will find your greatest sense of fulfillment. You know, folks are in a great many ways, attempting to find fulfillment in their life. They really are. They try to find fulfillment in their work, try to find fulfillment in their families, try to find fulfillment in the the, the pleasures of life and the fun things of life. You know, and there, there is some kind of pleasure and goodness and fulfillment to be found in all of those things, but the real fulfillment you're looking for, that which is really going to satisfy your heart, is going to come from a blessed life as Jesus describes it here in this story. Knowing the king and being a part of what he's doing, which makes a difference for eternity. And you have that opportunity. We all have that great opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. And the reward here, part of the reward that Jesus talks about here, is that we might be given bigger and greater ways to be a part of what he's doing. Isn't that something? If we're faithful in the little, he will give us much. You want your life to matter. You want your life to mean something. You want your life to be something of significance. You need to understand this. Be faithful in who you are now. Be faithful in what God has given you to do now. Be faithful in what he's given you to work with now. And you will find fulfillment and satisfaction that you will find no place else. And God will then begin to make you part of even bigger things that he's doing where you will even have greater satisfaction for having been faithful in the cooperative effort with what the Holy Spirit is doing here in the world among us. We're kind of like that fellow who was a, 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 a clerk in a small hotel in a small town. Now, this is a true story. There's one stormy night, this elderly couple came into his hotel and they asked for a room. The clerk very sadly told them, said, there's, there's no rooms here. Every room in our hotel is booked up, as is every room in every hotel in our town. He said, but... I can't send you and your wife out into a night like this. He said, would you take my room? Would you sleep in my room? The elderly fellow said, I don't know about taking your room. And the clerk begged him, pleaded with him, said, please don't go out in the night. He said, please, come and take my room for the night. And so he did. Next morning when the old man got up and with his wife went to pay their bill, he said, you're the kind of man who should be managing the best hotel in the United States. He said, someday I'll build you one. The clerk kind of smiled, took his money, and left. Some years later, the clerk received a letter from the elderly man recalling the stormy night and asking him to come to New York. He included a round-trip ticket with his note. And when the clerk arrived, his host, the old man, took him to the corner of 5th Avenue and 34th Street where stood a magnificent new building. That, explained the man, is the hotel I have built for you to manage. The man's name, the old man's name, was William Waldorf Astor. 
The hotel was the original Waldorf Astoria Hotel, to which that clerk managed. See, we have no idea what God really has in mind for us if we choose to be faithful and follow him. We have no idea what these rewards are that Jesus speaks of. We already have salvation. How much better could it be? It can't get any better than that. But there are a great many things we can enjoy alongside that. And God has all of these wonderful things in mind for those who would choose to be faithful and follow him. How exciting to be a part of a God-sized event, a God-sized work in the life and times that you have here on earth. I think one of the saddest things in heaven will be our understanding of what we have missed. You see, and there will be those kinds of tears, I believe. When we are held accountable to judgment and our life is shown for wood, hay, stubble, or precious jewels and stones, where our life will be shown for what it really was and what it really could have and should have been. I think the loss that we suffer on Judgment Day as Christians is not a loss of reward in the sense of heaven. I think it is just simply a loss we understand as we look at our life and see missed opportunities of what could have been. Jesus has great things for us, wonderful things for us to be a part of if we would choose to be the faithful servant. But there's also the unfaithful servant here. The unfaithful servant is one who's made the grave error in judgment. He reasons within himself, my master is delayed. He isn't coming for a long time. This servant begins to, to, to think in his heart. He begins to doubt if there will be any kind of accountability for his life, how he lives, how he cares for the revelation given to him, the resources that God has given him. And, you know, after a mind convinces itself of a lack of responsibility and a lack of accountability, it can become very independent of God. And this is an old trick of the enemy. This is what Satan did with Eve in the garden. said, you'll not surely die if you eat from that tree. There'll really be no accountability. There'll be no punishment. There'll be no judgment for what you do. And Satan does the same thing with each of us. Tries to convince us there'll be no accountability for this. There's no accountability for how you spend your time, how you live your life, what you do. No one will ever know what you do. This is never going to turn out bad for you, you see. Once a mind begins to grab hold of those kind of lies, the mind can become very independent of God and go about its own way of doing things. And that's what this unfaithful servant did. Unfaithful servant began to look at his life and said, there's no responsibility here. There's no accountability for who I am or how I live my life. So I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And this servant begins to act differently because of his wrong belief. He begins to mistreat his fellow servants. He begins to take their food and their drink and eat and drink it for himself. He begins physical pleasure and idol. And he lives as though that he has no master other than himself. And for this servant comes discipline and judgment. The master returns, and he's in a state of shock when he returns, in a state of shock that he would be held accountable. The unfaithful servant knew the master's will, but he did not ready himself, and he was unfaithful to the master's plan for his life. There's a judgment for those who do not follow the Lord. And to those who've been given greater revelation and resources for kingdom service, there will be a greater sense of judgment and a greater sense of punishment. It's a tragic thing. It's a tragedy. It truly is. Tragedy.
Now, some folks, and some of you may be asking this question, is the unfaithful servant a Christian? Is the unfaithful servant saved? You see, this is one of those passages very difficult, isn't it? It's a hard passage. So I'm just going to tell you what I feel like the Lord has given me in this passage. You see, there's only one master, one Lord, one king. He created each and every one of us, right? Saved or unsaved alike, we have one master, one Lord, and one king. Now, we may think we're our own master. We may think we serve other masters, but there's only one true master, one true Lord, and one true king. Whether you're faithful to know your master and serve him or you're unfaithful to follow him, know him, and do his bidding, there's only one master, king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. You see, the unfaithful one is the one who chooses not to ready himself for his master's return. The one who chooses to be unfaithful to the revelation given to him. Unfaithful to know his master, unfaithful to serve his master. And when the master returns, because every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord, when that moment arrives, it will be a shock to him who thought, I'll never be held accountable. There is no master or the master never will return. See, some people have some knowledge of God and they believe in God, maybe even believe in something of Jesus Christ, but they've never readied themselves for His return. They've never really given their life to Him. They've never chosen Him as their Lord, as He has chosen Him and chosen us for Himself. Never given their life to Him, never chosen to follow Him, and as a result of that, they stand here lost and condemned. And one of the most tragic and one of the most horrific things that we see in this story is is that the greater chance someone had to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, the more revelation someone has given, the more opportunity someone has given to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, the greater their punishment in hell. What does that mean? I have no idea. It could mean something as simple as a greater sense of anguish at lost opportunities in this life as they remember all of the times they sat in church, all of the times they heard the gospel and rejected their master, Jesus Christ. It may mean something more than that, but regardless, it means something. You see, we choose because God has given us a choice. We choose to follow the revelation God has given us or to reject the revelation God has given us. We choose to be a faithful servant of the Lord or to be unfaithful servants of the Lord. Which one are you? Which one are you? You see, Jesus is simply staying here Those who give their heart to me and are faithful in my service will be greatly rewarded for their right relationship with me and their service as followers of me in the kingdom. And those who are unfaithful, who do not ready themselves for the return by placing their faith in me for their salvation, those who choose not to serve me faithfully with their lives, these will face severe judgment and punishment, read it out according to the revelation and opportunity that they had here on earth. Do you know Jesus? Are you personally ready for his return? And how do you know? Well, the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. The proof is in who you are and how you're living your life. 
What is the difference between the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant? Is it just simply what they believed in their mind? Is it just that they acquiesced to a certain truth that someone told them? What we see as evidence of the difference between the faithful and unfaithful servant is how they acted, how they lived their lives. Now, this is not a works-based salvation I'm preaching here this morning. But what I am saying is if you genuinely have given your heart and life to the Master, you're going to serve the Master. That is a natural result of genuine faith in Jesus Christ is that you will have a life change. You will begin to act differently. The book of James chapter 2 is all about this. Faith without works is dead. Dead faith never saves anyone. If you have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ and have given your life to Him and become His, His faithful servant, you are going to follow Him and obey Him. You see, are you a faithful servant? Well, you can know this morning by taking a hard look at your life. Someone I read recently said there are those who think they're saved who are saved. There are those who think they are saved who are not saved. There are those who think they are saved who do not act saved. And you know, the fact of the matter is, those who think they are saved who do not act saved cannot stay that way if they genuinely know the Master. So this morning, if you're not acting as if you know the Master, it's either because you're unsaved or it's because you need to get right with God in some way you've gone off in the wrong direction for a time. And I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you of the difference this morning. You see, genuine believers in Jesus follow Him, obey Him, do the works of Him. And their life is a monument, a testimony of who they are really inside. You know, a few years ago, there was a half-million-dollar renovation project on the Washington Monument. And when they began to, to do this renovation project, they found graffiti inside from the 1800s. Graffiti in the 1800s are very different than graffiti today. Here's what they found as graffiti written by one of somebody in the 1800s. He said, Whoever is the human instrument under God in the conversion of one soul erects a monument to his own memory more lofty and enduring than this. Read that for you one more time. Whoever is the human instrument under God in the conversion of one soul erects a monument to his own memory more lofty and enduring than the Washington Monument. They don't know who wrote that. Left his initials, BRB. No idea who he was. Though he is dead, he still speaks. <laughs> and he speaks truth. What does your life say? What kind of monument is your life creating for those who are left behind? You know, this passage of Scripture that we read this morning is one of, I would say, a very convicting, very sobering, very somber in some sense, very exciting, all rolled up into one, very joyful, very exciting kind of, of passage, all rolled up into one. 
And your perspective on whether it's one or the other is all contingent on your true, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. So how does this passage leave you? Does it leave you, leave you afraid? Does it leave you scared? Does it leave you excited? Does it leave you joyful? Does it leave you hopeful as you anticipate the coming rewards that God has you? Does it leave you excited for where you are and living your life with Christ and what may be yet to come while you live here on earth and what is yours to enjoy after you leave here? Or does it leave you wandering, wandering in your mind, who am I? Am I the faithful or unfaithful servant? Listen, this morning, if you're unsure, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life, and you're unsure whether you are a faithful servant of the one Master, then this morning, please make that right with Him. You can know that you know that you know that you are a Christian this morning. You can walk the aisle in just a moment. We'll speak with you, talk with you, counsel you, help you to know for sure that you understand how to become a Christian, how to be a faithful servant of the Master. And before you go home today, you can have assurance in your heart that you've given your life to Him. There's no reason to leave here. And here is the horrible, if you want to say it that way, horrific thing about this passage this morning. He said he called the Bible horrible. Oh, it's just that its message sometimes carries horror for some of us. Not for me, because I'm a follower. Not for anyone in here who is. There's a great horror in this story we read this morning. Those who are sitting here this morning who've heard the gospel and had the opportunity to understand and follow Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord will be held to a greater judgment and be punished more severely than those out there who did not have the opportunity you had this morning. And there's no accident, no coincidence that you're here today. See, some folks say, well, you try to scare people into heaven. There's no need for me to try to scare anyone anywhere. The Holy Spirit of God convicts you and draws you, or you're not saved. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you and drawing you, you need to be saved. So if you're unsure, today's the day to be sure. Today is the day to be sure. And I'd say one more thing. For those who know you're saved, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life. But you would know this morning that you have not been taking every opportunity to be a good steward, as we talked about last week, of the time and gifts that God has given you. And you know that you would have your life be more than it has been in service of the king while you still draw breath here on this earth so that you may receive the rewards that God intends so that you might be a part of bigger things, that you might be a, a part of greater things that God may have for your life to be a part of here on the earth, that you may give more glory to him while you're here and greater glory to him when you get there. If that's you today, then today repent. Turn away from the direction you're going to God's way of doing things, to God's direction and what he has for you. So if you're not sure you know Jesus, make sure you know. And if you're not sure you've really been following Jesus as one of his and the way you should be, then today make sure that you leave here with a new commitment to do so. You see, that is the choice today. Know Jesus or make sure you're following Jesus faithfully with the whole of your life. That's the invitation today. Know Jesus 
you're not sure, make sure. And if you know Jesus, be faithful. Follow him and be a part of what he's doing with the time he's given you. Let's bow together.